Welcome, Imaginators. Sit back, buckle in, and ignite your imagination. This is the Imaginate Series Season 1, The Man with the Red Umbrella. I'm Joey Massio, the author and creator of Imaginate. This episode is the climax of the season. There's a short episode after this one to wrap everything up, and it will be posted soon after this one. If you've enjoyed this season, please share it with your friends and family. The more downloads this season gets, the more likely there is to be a season two. If you've already shared the link, thank you. We thank you from the bottom of our imaginative brains. This podcast would not be a success without your support. Here's a recap of the last episode, The Second Move. Nate gets some advice from a very unlikely source, Grumps, who tells him to wait before he acts, to always make the second move. Nate tries to talk to Alex and Thomas, but accidentally gets Bruce the bully to challenge them both to a fight after school. Nate thinks of a plan to get as many people to show up for the fight as possible, in hopes that the trio would be there and keep Bruce from showing up. It works. But just when Alex, Thomas, and Claire think it's safe to walk home, Bruce comes out from his hiding place and follows after them. And now, episode 14, Kaboom. No way. Uh-uh, said Alex. Yes way, Claire nodded. The Razor Raptor story actually takes place in the future, not the past. Where else would dinosaurs get all that high-tech gear? Oh, you're blowing my mind, Claire! Alex walked next to her on the sidewalk. That's just a theory, Thomas chimed in. Wait until season five. You'll see. The three of them passed through the Tolji Woods. They were headed to Claire's house for victory milkshakes. This would be the first time the boys went over to her place, and Claire was pretty excited. There was just one thing that would make it even better. So, at recess today, I talked with Nate. Hey! The three of them turned around. It was Bruce the bully. Bruce rolled up his sleeves. Which of you wants to go first? He was clomping his big bully feet straight at them. To figure out what to do in a situation like this, you need a little bit of math. When a bully five times bigger than the biggest one of you, even though there are three times as many of you as there are of him, which would still leave you at least two people short of an equal fight, is charging at you at the speed of 12 angry steps a second, and there are a little more than two driveways between you, what do you do? For Alex, Thomas, and Claire, the answer was clear. Run. They took off down the sidewalk. At the end of the block, they crossed the street and ran alongside the fence, surrounding the abandoned Waco oil factory. Bruce came steamrolling after them. The fence was long, and there was no place to hide. Bruce was certainly going to catch up to them before they reached the end of the block. 
Thomas grabbed a curled-up bottom section of fence. Quick, under here! He pulled up the fence, allowing enough room for Alex to barely squeeze through. Claire slipped under next, and Thomas shimmied through just before Bruce arrived. The three of them ran across the large, vacant parking lot toward the factory, not waiting to see if Bruce's big body was able to squeeze under the fence. It wasn't. But what happened next, you had to see to believe. Nate saw it. He came running out of the neighborhood just in time to see Bruce the bully turn into Bruce the Hulk. There was no way he could fit under the fence, so Bruce grabbed the chain-link metal and started pulling. He strained for a moment, but that just seemed to give him more power. The rusty bolts holding the fence in place started snapping off the pole one by one, shooting them through the air. With one final yank, accompanied by a loud and very frightening war cry, Bruce ripped the fence from the pole. He peeled the metal fence back like a banana and ran toward the factory. He hadn't even broken a sweat. Alex, Thomas, and Claire were dead meat. If he caught them, they were certainly and most indisputably dead meat, and not in a metaphorical type of way either. Bruce had a scary type of predatory mentality going on that was seriously disturbing. It was like Shark Week. Bruce was the shark, and there was blood in the water. Nate had no idea what to do. Should I imagine a phone to call the police? A taser? A portal to send Bruce to another dimension? Nate stopped for a moment to focus on something to imaginate. Then, his grandfather's advice came echoing back to him. No. Wait. Let Bruce throw the first punch this time, and hopefully I'm still standing to throw the second one. Nate easily fit through the behemoth opening in the fence Bruce created and took off toward the factory. Claire noticed Bruce was now on this side of the fence. We need to hide! They got to the factory and pulled on every door they could find. They were all locked or chained. They made their way around to the back of the building, which was covered in even more graffiti than the front. They tried the loading door, locked. The office windows, sealed shut. A piece of wood covering an old trash chute behind a rusty dumpster, slightly opened. The trash chute was just a hole in the wall now. The chute itself had been removed ages ago. Someone had placed a square piece of plywood over the hole. That someone didn't account for rain, wind, and termites. The plywood came right off with a bit of prying from Thomas. The three of them climbed through the four-foot-wide hole in the brick wall. They stepped out into the factory. It was ginormous, as if the whole building itself were just this one giant room, filled with machinery up to two stories tall and equipment that hadn't been touched in decades. The tall windows on all sides of the room led in patches of eerie, rust-colored sunlight. They must have been in the trash area of the factory because it was a mess. Alex gazed up at a towering stack of wooden pallets. Whoa! Look at that! 
Taking a step back, he bumped into an even taller stack behind him. It creaked as it swayed unsteadily, like a poorly constructed Jenga tower. Be careful! Thomas looked up. The giant two-story towers slowly stopped swaying. Sounds of Bruce's heavy footsteps came from outside. Quick! Over there! Claire pointed to a series of large metal tanks across the room. As quietly as they could, they made their way over the cement floor. They hid behind one of the large tanks. Rusty gauges on intake valves sat motionless, with their indicating needles sleeping silently at the bottom of the green safe zone. Across the room, they saw Bruce through the darkened windows. He slowly walked down the back alleyway. It almost looked like he was sniffing the air, trying to catch a scent of his prey. He passed the trash chute, half concealed behind the dumpster, and kept walking. Alex leaned back against the large tank behind him. The corroded joints holding up the tank wailed like Alex's added weight caused it physical pain. To get revenge, the old tarnished metal had ratted them out by calling to their enemy. Bruce heard the call. He turned back to the dumpster and noticed the hole in the wall behind it. Bruce grinned from ear to ear and made his way through the opening. It wasn't graceful, it wasn't pretty, and it sure wasn't quiet. Bruce's large frame knocked into a stack of pallets, violently shaking it. A pallet sitting precariously at the top tumbled off and landed with a loud crash a few feet from Bruce. The deafening sound echoed through the stale factory. It added new energy to the room, spurred even higher heart rates for the three in hiding, and increased Bruce's adrenaline. Come out, chickens! You were ready to face me at school with all your lame buddies! Where are you now? Alex, Thomas, and Claire stayed deathly still, crouched behind the large tank. They didn't dare stick their heads out to see where Bruce was. But they could hear where he was headed. And he was headed right toward them. Gomez! I expected you to take it like a man! Not like McDougal with his girly checkered pants! They're plaid! Thomas nudged Alex to be quiet. I wasn't expecting the new girl! She'll have to watch you guys get your beating. He was on the other side of the tank now. Maybe when I'm through with you guys, you'll look as ugly as she does. That's enough. Bruce turned around. Nate stood at the far end of the factory. Leave them alone, Bruce. Spelling! What are you doing here? A twinge of fear crossed Bruce's face. Did you bring your friends with you? Nate stood proudly. My friends are already here. What? Where? Bruce looked around. No, not them. Not Chris and Jamal and Heather. My other friends. My only true friends. 
Nate said that last part extra loud to make sure Alex and Thomas could hear. Bruce stared blankly. He had no idea what Nate was talking about. I'm saying that Alex and Thomas are my only friends. And Claire, too, I guess. Oh, I see! Then Bruce really got it. Oh! The cool kids thumped you! Ha ha ha! I knew you were a loser! Nate slowly walked up to Bruce. He was still a little terrified, but tried not to show it. I wanted to apologize to you. What? Behind the big tank, Alex leaned over to Thomas. Let's get out of here while he's distracted. A good idea. The two of them started to make their way through the row of tanks back to the trash chute. Guys! Claire followed after them. Where are you going? Meanwhile, Nate stared in the face of danger. I wanted to say I'm sorry for hitting you with the football. And also for not stopping Chris and them when they were making fun of you. I should have said something. Bruce was stunned. Like he had never encountered these types of emotions in his life. Bruce was lost and didn't know how to respond. Then he found himself again. Bruce's fist made straight contact with the side of Nate's head. He got more ear than anything else. Nate stumbled but remained standing. It didn't hurt as much as he thought it would. Of course, his ear was completely numb and tingly, and his brain was still bouncing around in his skull. But all in all, he was surprised how well he took it. That one hurt a lot more. Nate wasn't sure if Bruce was right-handed or left-handed, but he hit equally well with both. Though that last one was almost more of a slap than a punch. Nate attributed it to the fury of emotions he saw pouring out of Bruce. You think you could just embarrass me twice and get away with it? Bruce was a firm mix of upset and angry. He was upsangry. It was a pretty bad combination. Another punch. Nate fell to the ground and assumed the fetal position for protection. He balled up and covered his face with his arms. Bruce stood over him and let his fists fly as they pleased. It was like one of those fighter pilot movies. Some captain somewhere had just yelled out the command, Fire at will! Bruce's fists were the missiles, and poor Nate was Will. Alex and Thomas headed toward the trash chute. Hurry! Uh, We're almost there! Guys! Claire grabbed their shoulders. Guys, stop! She pointed back to where Nate was getting his beating. Both Alex and Thomas stopped running at the sight of it. It was like a bad car accident where you couldn't look away. Bruce was just wailing on him, as Nate did a fairly decent job at shielding his more vital parts. We gotta do something. And get my face rearranged after he ditched us? Claire turned to Thomas. You can't just leave him. You aren't those guys. Alex took a step back. I could be that guy. I could learn. Thomas watched in silence as his old friend got wailed on. Then he sighed and ran back toward Nate. Claire followed. Aw, man. Alex trotted after them. My face is just how I like it, too. 
<laughs> a few thoughts went through Nate's mind as Bruce stood over him, fists drilling into any tender spots they could find. Maybe this is how life is now. Bruce beating on me until I grow old and die. Will he stop to eat? Will he share it with me? I can't feel my right arm. Alex and Thomas hurtled into Bruce's side. It was a big side with plenty of room for both of them. Bruce tumbled to the ground. Claire rushed over and helped Nate up. He was a little dizzy, disoriented, and his nose was bleeding. Are you all right? Sure, no problem. Nate wheezed. How many teeth do I have left? She didn't have time to count because Bruce was on his feet and madder than ever. Alex and Thomas, shoulders a little sore from bashing into brick wall Bruce, waved them over, and all four went running through the maze of machinery, with Bruce not far behind. Tall, corroded contraptions loomed all around them as they ran into the heart of the factory's processing line. Once shiny surfaces, now tarnished with age, made up engines, towers, distillers, boilers, silos, and a dozen other devices all connected by pipes and tubes. They squeezed through tight spots and slipped deeper into the machinery to avoid being caught. Bruce tried to squeeze through after them, but some laws of physics can't be broken. Pansies! Bruce yelled after them. In a heap of frustration, he looked around for something he could break. He saw a panel of buttons and levers. Fine! Stay in there! I'll just cook you out! Bruce started flipping switches and turning knobs. Alex peered back as they shimmied between some railings. What a dope! These machines won't turn on! They're too old! Lights on the machines around them flickered on. One by one, the machines turned on, geared up, and started pumping. What? I can't get the lawnmower to start, but these hunks of junk start right up! Like the odometer on a speeding car, the needle on a rusty gauge right next to Bruce started climbing up into the green zone. Bruce pumped a celebratory fist in the air. Ha! You guys are toast! All four of them were deep in the labyrinth of machinery as it began to rumble to life. Don't panic. It's just a little noise. Come on out, sissies! The gauge's needle rose up to the top of the green zone. The cranking of the machines grew louder and louder. The needle showed no signs of stopping as it reached the yellow zone. The metal around them started to shake. Thomas put his hand on a pipe. Oh, they're getting hot. Bruce, turn the machines off. The commotion was even getting to the bully. He flipped a switch off. The needle hit the top of the yellow zone. He flipped another switch and another up into the orange zone. Bruce slowly backed away. The needle breached the red zone. A bolt shot off and ricocheted past Bruce's ear. The needle reached maximum level. Bruce took off running. Nate tried to yell over the noise. Bruce! Bruce! Who's the p, -p pansy now? We gotta get out of here! 
Nate led the way through the vibrating machines. The decrepit machinery screamed under the building pressure. Alex turned to the contraptions. I'm sorry I called you old. The four ran out into the open. Across the factory floor, Bruce ran up to the trash chute. He ran fast for a big guy. And stopping something that large is like trying to stop a train. He bumped into the large stack of pallets next to the chute. The stack wobbled to one side, then to the other. And just when it looked like it was going to sway back upright, it didn't. Bruce hurried through the hole in the wall. Nate and his friends watched in horror as the whole tower of pallets tipped over. stacked on one side slammed into the leaning tower of pallets on the other side. Both collapsed inward into a heap of jumbled shards of wood right in front of the trash chute, blocking the hole. Thomas stared in disbelief. No, 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 no! Are you kidding me? That was our way out! Steam shot out of piping overhead. The whole factory was like a can of soda that had been shaken too much. But the results of this explosion would be a lot worse than sticky hands. Claire ran over to the control panel and tapped furiously on the emergency stop button. Nothing changed. There has to be another way to turn it all off. They all looked around the factory for any hope, any chance. There! Thomas pointed up to the back corner of the factory. Next to a raised corner office overlooking the room, there was a large sign on the wall that read, Emergency Stop, with a giant lever under it. The spiral metal staircase that led up to the office was all the way on the other side of the factory and was missing more than a few steps. The only way to the lever was a series of catwalks hanging over the room, giving access to the very tops of the tallest equipment. The catwalk had one metal ladder, but the bottom half was missing. How are we going to get up there? Claire took off running. Claire, wait! She put her climbing skills to work and scaled the side of a large machine close to the broken ladder. She used pipes, railing, and jagged chunks of protruding metal as footholds. In a matter of seconds, she was even with the bottom of the ladder. Nate yelled out to her. Claire, don't do anything stupid. She leapt through the air and caught hold to the bottom rung of the ladder. The boys gasped. Alex pulled his fluffy hair. That's exactly the stupid thing he was talking about. She hung on to the bottom rung, dangling 15 feet off the ground. She got a firm grip, then swung her legs back and forth until she built up enough momentum to lift herself up to the next rung and climbed up the ladder. Nate was in awe. Who is this chick? Thomas smiled. She's the next American Ninja Warrior. 
The air up there was hazy from the commotion below. Claire made it to the catwalk and ran to the emergency stop lever. She threw the switch. The machines kept chugging along. She threw the switch back. Nothing. It's not working! It's like this factory wants us to, 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 to die! Alex spoke to the machines. I'm sorry for calling you old! Let us out! A series of gaskets blew below, each emitting a spewing stream of white smoke. The whole catwalk disappeared in a thick cloud. Claire! Claire emerged from the smoke, coughing. (coughs) I'm all right. You gotta get down from... A machine somewhere exploded. The whole factory shook and Claire held on tight as the rusty catwalk swayed back and forth. Thomas pointed toward the ceiling. It's coming loose! Dust fell from the ceiling as the swaying motion of the catwalk eroded away the cement around the bolts holding it up. Claire scrambled toward the ladder. After a few steps, some of the support rods gave way. The front half of the walkway broke loose and came down like a drawbridge. It came to an abrupt stop, ten feet above the ground, sending Claire tumbling down it like a metal slide. The three boys ran over just as Claire fell off the end. She landed right on top of them. They all scrambled to their feet. You all right? Thomas helped Claire up. Yeah, thanks for breaking my fall. Alex groaned as he stood up. Some of us provided more padding than others. (laughs) Just saying. The explosion seemed to relieve a bit of pressure, but the whole system was quickly building up to another kaboom. We need to find another way out. Yeah, I don't want to die in this place. It smells. Split up. Yell if you find something. Nate ran off. The other three went in different directions, staying clear of the swarm of machines, violently getting louder and louder. Thomas checked the front doors. They were chained shut. Claire investigated the windows. Each sat high on the walls, just out of arm's reach. Alex pulled on any door he could find. All were locked. They met back on the factory floor. Anything? Not a thing! Thomas shook his head. Claire looked around. Where's Nate? Nate came out of the janitor's closet. Any luck? Nate ran over. What? Oh, no, nothing. The rumbling grew louder. The whole factory seemed like it was going through a 6.0 earthquake. The floor rumbled, the walls rattled, and all the contraptions shook with a fury. In their chests, they felt the deep pounding of metal on metal. The four stood close together. They were out of options. Nate yelled over the noise. All right, you win. Alex shook his head. I already tried reasoning with the machines. They won't listen. Nate ignored him. You hear me? You win. I'll go with you. Thomas, Claire, and Alex exchanged confused looks. I said you win. I'll go with you. 
a new sound joined the building chaos of the machines. A steady, repeating thud of someone clapping. Between the gaps in the rattling machinery, something purple could be seen moving into the open. The man with the red umbrella stepped out onto the other side of the factory floor. He carried his umbrella under his arm as he slowly applauded Nate. Bravo, lad. How did you know it was me? The machine's starting up. The pallet's blocking our way out. The emergency switch not working. None of it made any sense. And not making any sense is kind of how you roll. Well done. Thomas stared at their foe. This is him? Yep. Alex wiped the sweat off his face. Oh, crap. Nate stepped out in front of his friends and yelled across the room. I know you only want one thing. Me. I'll let you teleport me anywhere you want. Just let my friends out. No! Thomas grabbed Nate's arm. You can't! It's okay. Any one of you guys will do the same for me. He called back to the man. Is that a deal? The man held out the tip of his umbrella. You'll let them get out? They'll be okay? The man gestured to the boiling machines. We don't have all day. Nate looked back to his friends. I'm sorry for thinking there were better friends out there than you. He turned and walked across the factory floor. The man held out the umbrella with a devilish grin. Walking to the point of the umbrella felt like walking straight at a firing squad. As he got closer, the man's grin got wider. Nate stopped right in front of the umbrella. He took a deep breath, reached his hand up, and grabbed hold of the umbrella's shiny metal tip. There was a quick flash of electricity, a sharp buzz echoed through the air, and in a flicker of light, the man disappeared. Nate stood there alone, holding the red umbrella. His three friends stared in dumbfounded amazement. What just happened? How did you do that? Nate took off a pair of skin-colored gloves. Today's imagination... Reversible gloves. It made his umbrella teleport him instead of me. That's what you were doing in the closet? Alex frowned. I don't get it. A machine on the far side of the factory exploded. Debris flew everywhere, and a wave of extreme heat hit them all. A chain reaction started. Flaming chunks of metal crashed into machines at the brink of ignition. Each explosion triggered another. The explosions moved across the factory, making their way toward a large silo labeled Flammable, right in front of Thomas, Alex, and Claire. Alex screamed in terror. Claire helplessly looked for a place to run. Thomas tried to say something but couldn't even get out the first word. As the chaos sped up, Nate's brain kicked into gear to match it. Certain death is coming our way. We can't stop it. No time to get out. No place in this factory will be safe. He looked at the red umbrella in his hand. 
Bingo. A hunk of fiery gears flew toward the silo. Nate ran over to his friends and crashed down. Get behind me. He faced the detonating disaster, held the red umbrella in front of him, and opened it. for this episode were provided by the super suspenseful voices of Bobby Massio, Michael Rosenbaum, and Dana Sobel. Imaginate theme music by the colossus of musical clout, Jeffrey Larson. Until next time, Imaginators. And remember, try to do one thing every day you didn't think possible. Who knows? You might surprise yourself one day. <laughs>